y'all come on in, take your shoes off, sit on down. Y'all listening to In the Corner, Back by the Woodpile. I'm Spun Counter Guy. Thanks for stopping by. Welcome back to part two of our ride around tour of Hopkins County, Kentucky. On this jaunt, our guide, Buck Stomp, is going to tell us about everything from riverboats of ill repute to government cell phone giveaways to KKK open houses. But first, we start out in Dawson Springs with a little story about knowing something on someone else and using it to one's advantage. I won't say no names, but there was a girl that had graduated ahead of me. I had been seeing for a little while, and she had an apartment here in town. Well, girl for her own apartment. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you like the older woman, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, join the club. <laughs> I had went by her house early one morning before school, or her apartment, and whenever I come out of her apartment to come to the school to get up here before I was going to be late, one of the teachers came out of another apartment door Whoa. that wasn't where he lived wasn't that particular teacher significant other both yeah. of us kind of knew what was going on mm-hmm. and uh, of course being a kid I did smoke cigarettes at that time I don't know you call it blackmail or whatever it was but one day I thought it would be funny just to try it and it worked but I was wanting to go smoke and I didn't have a lighter and uh, he didn't have a class at the time and I just walked into his classroom and I knew he smoked because uh, he always tried to hit, hide it, but everybody knew what he'd done. He had a coffee cup he'd put his ashes in, try to hide it in his desk drawer, uh-huh. sit in the classroom and smoke. And I walked in, I told him, I said, let me have you lighter. I said, I'm going to step out back and smoke. He said, you can't do that, I don't have a lighter. I said, oh, you got a lighter. And uh, we kind of joked around, I said, besides, you owe me anyway for what I know. Oh. And <laughs> he gave me the lighter. Uh-huh. Of course, I knew who his significant other was. I never said nothing. I never was the type she of She was another gal in the town? Yeah. I try to remind my son not to do the things I've done, not to be like the the kid I was. Uh, but you weren't that bad. I wasn't that bad, but I was pretty bullheaded, and I was pretty set in my ways. If I made my mind up I was going to do something, that's what I was fixing to do. Even if it hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. The one man that helped me get through this school system was uh, a very good teacher and a very good friend to a lot of students, Donnie Allen. He was a great guy. Because the superintendent, she didn't care a whole lot about me. Me, I wasn't from Dawson. I was an outsider. I wasn't part of the essential clique mm-hmm. within the city. I didn't have prominent family members. And so me and her fought a lot about the way I'd done. But I, Donnie helped me with that. And he helped me to try to understand I had to do a little give and take with him. Donnie kept me from dropping out because me and the superintendent didn't get along. That person found out that I had gotten engaged right after I turned 18 and did not agree with who I was engaged to because my wife, her parents were prominent business owners in town, well respected. That superintendent felt like my wife could do a lot better than me. Oh. She tried to use the fact that I was going to get married and everything while I was still in school against me as an excuse to try to expel me from the school system. Hmm. Of course, I did have a real hot temper back then. That was one of the things I was known for during that particular incident. I picked the chair up and threw it at her. Dang. Because of our argument. And I actually left the school. 
and just told them to write me off. And I made it out here to the parking lot, and Donnie stopped me and just told me to wait around out here, and he went in and talked with them. Donnie brought me back in and had a talk with them. And we kind of worked it out, and from then on, the superintendent left me alone. Mm -hmm. And I kept my grades up. I done my school. I did get married my senior year before I graduated. Wow. Did you guys have a place together? Yes, we uh, we bought a house. At 18? Uh, at 18, I had my own mortgage, my own car payment, and was paying my own utilities, and I was working night shift for my father-in-law at the grocery store. Wow. But you got to understand, I started actually physically working doing manual labor type stuff when I was a young child. My grandfather, that's what he always taught me. Mm -hmm. His philosophy was, you'll never get anywhere paying somebody to do something for you. You need to know how to do everything you can for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what he taught me was just about right. everything that he knew. He taught me to do what I could do. They taught me some of business stuff from the gun store. When I turned 14, there was a uh, fellow in our church that we my parents attended who was doing construction work and he was going to build a house and he had several roofing jobs and he was needing some help he took me on i worked on the weekends and i worked afternoon with him starting when i was 14. and he took the time to teach you how he to took do time to teach me some things i later on found out as i got older he wasn't that upstanding of a role model but he had some secrets in his past he kept hidden but right. that eventually come out they come back to haunt him while i was around him but he did teach me manual labor work, mm -hmm. uh, such as construction and stuff. So by the time I got to high school, I'd done done a lot of things and been around a lot of people and had experiences that most of these kids didn't know nothing about. Mm -hmm. I knew what it meant to earn a dollar. Uh, there was one particular kid in school that I just, I didn't I want to say I hated him. I just got aggravated a lot at the way things went and what his parents done. One of the things, I worked for my own first car. And for some reason, when it come to him, it really got underneath my skin because his very first car was brand new off a car lot. And his parents brought it to the school and parked it right here in front of the doors and had him put it on the intercom. He needed to come get the keys to his new car. Oh, brother. <laughs> for me, growing up, understanding what it meant to work and earn your own yeah. money and me doing it myself. Now, my family did help me some with my first car, but they taught me what it meant to earn your right. own way. But back to this teacher, Donnie, do you still chat with him? Or? I still talk to him when I see him around town once in a while. And I have him on Facebook. And a lot of the students, I notice, still message him back and forth. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a shop teacher. He drove a bus up here. But he was, uh, he was very good with the students. I like Donnie. He was very respectable. the Obama phone I don't know what the technical name for it was they come out uh, Obama's administration of course you had the so-called Obama health care that was big and then all of a sudden they come out with this government phone they were set up at one of the businesses here in town and uh, I walked up there I was reading the sign and the woman asked she said do you need a phone and I said how much is it and I didn't need one I had my own phone I didn't lie to her. I just asked her how much it was. She said, no, it's free. And she said whatever the technical name for it was, government phone or whatever. I said, what do you got to do to have one? I said, how's it work? They, she explained to it how it worked. And she said, you just got to write your name down here so we make an account. 
and from what I found out I went back and looked it up and read it after the fact the way they were supposed to be giving them out was you were supposed to be on some kind of government assistance but the way they were handing them out down here that particular day she just said if you'll sign your name on here, we'll give you an account and give you a phone. Was she saying, like, okay, this is from President Obama personally, or did she make that connection? They did make the connection that it was because of whatever system and politics that had been created along with the Obama health care and other things that uh, that was part of how the phone came about. So then in it essence, was, it was kind of like vote buying in some ways, right? Yes, okay. pretty much. Giving away free stuff. I just signed my name down on the book and she didn't ask me to verify nothing nobody asked anything they handed me a box after they took it out of the box they done whatever it was they done on the phone hand to me she said all you got to do is call this number every 30 days and they'll reactivate it you got so many free minutes with so many free texting i said that's it i said that's it it's your phone and they didn't get your driver's license or didn't nothing? get driver's license didn't get anything brother and <laughs> <laughs> i just so incompetent but now let me play devil's advocate. I get to be fair. I, I'm sure to the the Obama fans who thought he was pure, they would probably be screaming and say, "Well, see, that's why the system doesn't work because people like you are taking advantage of it." What, what do you say to that? Well, I did get one, but here's the thing: I never used it. It went home and got put in a drawer. I actually ended up giving it to my son, and he played with it for a couple of months. If you didn't call and tell him to recharge it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Then they would just shut it down and it stayed shut down. I don't know how you would go about getting it reactivated or whatever. But it just really burnt me up the way they were giving them out. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, yeah. Well, here, just have a free phone, you know. If it had been, I guess, policed better, mm -hmm. be the word, and actually given to people in need, uh, senior citizens that can't afford a high-dollar cell phone. Right. To allow them a better way of living to pay for more meds so they didn't have to pay for a high-dollar phone. I wouldn't have had such a big deal with it, but... My argument was if they can just give a phone away for free like that and you have cell phone signal pretty much anywhere and don't ever have to pay a dime for it, then why are we paying so much high-rated bills for our cell phones? You're preaching to the choir. I mean, obviously, in both the career that we've chosen, we see a lot of fraud and people easily taking advantage of the government, and which is sad because there are people who really do need it, and these folks that are completely able-bodied and keep having children and the children just become a check i become an emt in 2003 and starting then up until i let that go uh in 2015 i think was the last year my license was active i worked for several full-time ambulance services i was volunteer rescue i seen an extreme abuse even then of people on welfare abusing the system and I have, in my time, come to see multiple generations of people that play the system. And one generation started playing it, figured out how it worked. And then they taught their kids how to play the system, who either works and plays it, or they don't work at all and are playing it, and teaching their kids how to play the system. And it's a never-ending cycle.
something I've often heard talked about down here by the Treeboarder Mill Dam. Yeah, so we're where the Pittsburgh Pirates used to train. By the field. Apparently, from some of the older generation here in town that I was around at the Fire Department and Ambulance Service, they'd sit downtown and talk. I've heard them talk about something that was called the, kind of like a barge. It was a gambling house, Did a it have bar. A I think it was the River Palace or something to do with the fact that where the park is built over there, where you see the ball diamond, mm-hmm. that is Caldwell County. We're sitting in Hopkins County. The barge sat in the middle of the river. They would pull it up to the bank, and people would get on it and party and do their thing. And then if the police or sheriff from Hopkins County ever come down to try to bust them because it was illegal at the time, I reckon it must have been during Prohibition, they would pull it over to the Caldwell County side. And if Caldwell County tried to show up, they'd pull it over to the other side. Wow. That's pretty, pretty uh, clever. There used to be a lot of moonshining around here. Uh, my great-grandfather... He moonshined. Well, actually, both of my great-grandfathers moonshined and bootlegged. I won't tell you where it's at, but I will tell you, I do know where my great-grandfather's uh, still is at. To it's still day. sitting there? I have since stored it and uh-huh. locked it up, but I know where it's at. Right. still have access to it. I won't dare use it. Eventually, one of these days, I plan on cleaning it up and putting it in my garage on display just because it is part of my heritage and past. Sure. When they were the WPA which was a work program, kind of like what our government assistant is now. But back then, the WPA, in order to get government assistance, you had to actually work for your money. Mm -hmm. You went out and worked for the state. The WPA actually built some of the road structures and... Works Progress Administration? Yes. It was at uh, the New Deal? Yes. They built Penarol State Park, and my great-grandfather was part of that. I've heard him tell me stories before about while they were building Penarol State Park on the state property. That's where he would hide his shine at and sell it off. <laughs> uh, the unique little story with the moon shining. My great-grandmother used to tell me they would come to town on the weekends to do their shopping. And uh, the old water house up here, water department, she said in the back of that was a steel. And all the men used to wander down the hill so to speak, and that's where they would all go and get them a good drink. And she said, then they'd be staggering back up the hill and lean on the parking meters that used to be here in town waiting for them to get done shopping. here used to be where the courthouse was at in Dawson. They had their own little courthouse and a jail that sat right in here. This hole you see here used to be an old uh, general store. Mm-hmm. One thing that's hurt Dawson, you can see from the shape of the buildings, and Madisonville's got a little more heavier traffic, so their business has been able to do better. The Historical Society has hurt Dawson. They've got so many regulations set on these buildings that you have, if you're going to redo them, you have to preserve them to the way they originally were but you take a structure like the one here next to us and the type of glass that's in it and the way it's made that's just not materials they use anymore to make this stuff and remortaring this brick and like how these round windows are busted out yeah all that would be custom order stuff and no more industry than what we have in dawson and no more business nobody's going to pay that kind of money to restore this stuff. And so it's just going to sit there? It's going to sit there and rot down and until they finally tear it apart. Yeah, again, good intentions, bad consequences. Yes. Yeah.
When I'm gone, pour gas on my thong, then light a match with my successor. Take a seat, throw it at them and holler, catch and watch and burn. And remind them, little Walter would like to thank you. And my last words was, I ain't doing it for the. Okay, so you used to work for the county jail. It's Hopkins County Jail. In Kentucky, we have deputy jailers and then an elected jailer. I went to work there. Uh, I left the ambulance service and went to work for a factory. The factory had a hard run. They opened a couple of new factories up overseas. And uh, one of the factories they would sunk a lot of money into was taking out tsunami that hit overseas, wherever that was at. But it affected our industry in Asia. Yeah. There you go. They suffered from that and they laid us all off. So I was looking for a job and uh, my father-in-law was on the rotary the jailer had come and spoke at Rotary that night and uh, was talking about needing some help. So my father-in-law told me to go holler at him, or told him about me, told me to go holler at him. I went and talked to him. He hooked me up with a job. What none of us knew was how political that type of job was. You ask about the politics of it. They were a very democratic-led environment. You have to understand, I grew up in a very, very Republican family. Well, let me ask you about that because I grew up in a Democrat town too, mainly because of the coal mines and the unions. How does that work in this county? My family started out as Democratic. My great-grandparents, until they died, they remained Democrat. They were what we call diehard Democrat. It didn't matter what the politics was, good or bad, they were going to be Democratic and vote Democratic straight down the board. We said, Yeah, yellow dog Democrat. They'd vote for a yellow dog if he was a Democrat. Yeah. By the time I came along, the Democratic side of the politics had hit such a downstride that they didn't agree with any of it. They started going more towards the, or more towards the Republican side is what I should say. Right. Of course... I knew of Reagan when I was in school, but I was just starting to learn some things. I learned more about Bush Sr., and then the Clinton administration came along. That's when I was really aware of what was going on. Of course, growing up in a gun shop, Clinton was against guns with the Brady Bill and everything. My family, that's what our business was, so we were pro-gun, so pro-Republican, and that's how it came about. I did learn to develop, regardless of Republican or Democrat, to listen to both sides parties and develop your own mind make you know make your own decision what you think about somebody Amen. when I went to work at church jail they had a lot of real democratic leftist ways of looking at things the county was primarily held by Democrat and that's what they wanted everybody because we'd always been a democratic state me I was registered Republican one of the sergeants I had over me at that time he kind of held that against me well, he asked you straight up. He asked me straight up, told me I should think about changing it. Well, I refused to change it. One, the judge that was over, executive that was over us at the time, he had been in office for a very long time. And a lot of the things he had done, along with some other officials that were in office that were Democrat, and it really didn't matter to me what, whether they were Democrat or Republican, but it was the way they'd done some things I didn't agree with. The three particular people had been there so long that I had, in my own opinion and mine, had seen and made up that their pay raises had gotten so great and that the things they were doing for the county was only to affect them. I mean, it, it only made life better for them. Whenever that 
three-part party finally within the last year or two broke up and other people started getting elective it just tickled me to death but <laughs> to see what i call new blood to see somebody else try to step in there to yeah. do something uh, but, i'm a person that firmly believes that there should be term limits on every office yeah, I see the wisdom of that, yes. <laughs> I am by no means a book smart person. I do have some book learning. Uh, I was raised on common sense, way of thinking. I could do my job at the jail, and I done good at it. And I could get along with the inmates and work with them and get them to cooperate with me the way some others couldn't. But my sergeant, he had a way of thinking that because we were supposed to be deputies, we were supposed to be the elite over, we were a, a step above the humanity level from everybody else. You know, the inmates were on a lower level of society and we were supposed to be up here. I didn't see that. My way of thinking was that was my job because they'd done a crime, they were placed in the jail. It was my job to make sure they stayed there and to make sure that they were housed and done things the way they were supposed to while they were in there, kept them under control. Not so much as a friend, but if you showed them a little respect, yeah. they would give you some respect. If you went in, pardon the expression, but if you went in and acted like a dickhead to them, yeah. they'd make your night a living hell. You just had to use some common sense when talking to them. But the judge executive was getting reelected. One of my final breaking straws with them was he was getting reelected, and they wanted to do a big dog and pony show. And I had worked four 12, 14-hour shifts there. And towards the end of that, they wanted me to pull an extra shift. And not only pull an extra shift, they wanted me to get off work that morning after, we'll say, a 14-hour shift, go to the courthouse and stand next to that judge with the rest of the jail staff for pictures to be made for this election, stay there all day for his dog and pony show, I called it, and then turn around and come back and work another 12 or 14 hours. Like voters were supposed to come out and see him? And yes, and then photo opportunities and all this other stuff. That kind of thing didn't float with me. If you wanted me to do a job, I was going to do the job. I care less about none of that. But it was very, what I call political, it was very who you were friends with there and whose butt you were willing to kiss in order to keep your job. Because if they change jailers... That jailer has the option to review every employee's file and dismiss anybody he wants to. So they wanted you to be up everybody's hind end. Blindly loyal. Check your brain yes, the door. That's, yeah. that's what it was. Blindly loyal. And me and the sergeant just did not get along that way. We had several issues. The man couldn't walk down a hallway without making a map of where he wanted to go. <laughs> uh, I ain't going to say what his past experience was, but... He was very structured and organized, and he literally had to make out a plan of attack, so-called as it was, to do every part of the job. Nothing could be just simple cut and dry with him. I mean, it was pretty aggravating to deal with, and he spent more time trying to figure out ways to get other people fired and police the staff than he did policing the inmates. That was my breaking with them. That was the internal political struggles that I just didn't want to deal with. We are on Huckleberry Road, Carbondale area. 
the Ku Klux Klan or the uh, what would they call it International Klansmen of America is what they later become known okay they started out over in Central City a smaller group and due to some trouble over there they relocated well they ended up buying some property but here and of course you can tell by the road we're on we're pretty far back what years was this you talking about? this was in the 90s okay uh, they were around up until the mid probably 2005 2008 these gates right here of course you can tell by the flags there's still a couple here oh my goodness wow uh, I'm not going to stick around too long. Yeah, good lord. I mean, the Confederate flag is one thing, but the uh, Nazi, Nazi flag. flag. Jeez Louise. Uh, there's still, I think, two families that live there that try to hold the belief. But uh, they came in over here and started building on that. Of course, there's a lot bigger you can't see on down below the hill there. You can see the first couple of houses here on top. Mm. But it become known as a compound they were building they started off fairly quiet through the gun store we had some dealings with them here's the thing though and as far as dealings uh, we first met them when they were from central city they of course they their thing is buying guns and ammo and stuff but in order to buy a firearm in kentucky you have to pass a federal background check they would come in fill out the paperwork for a firearm we would mail it off to the fbi FBI would send it back as approved. These people, even though they've probably been in and out of jail for drugs and stuff, they have not broken any federal crimes for the ones that are legally allowed to buy the guns that prevent them from owning a firearm. It's just their views and opinions that is so different from everybody else. Right, it's repugnant, but it's not a federal offense. It's not a federal offense, even yeah. though what they believe in, I believe, is wrong. Right. It got out bigger that they were making a compound down here. They didn't frequent us all the time, but now they did uh, come in and out of the gun shop some. I seen them. Now, when they came in, I mean, were they the stereotype of like shaved heads and jack boots and all that? No, they were. Uh, most of them were more what I call your purebred rednecks. <laughs> okay. The way they dressed and act. Some of them had shaved heads. The leader, he was your stereotype. Black boots, blue jeans, shirts with sayings and stuff on it. Bald head, had uh, swastika tattoos, big spider web around his neck and head. Golly. How's a guy like that get a job? Government assistance is what most of them lived on. See, that, isn't that messed up? <laughs> <laughs> it's typical, though. I mean, it, it's the truth. I can attest from us owning the grocery store. My father-in-law had a few run-ins with him at the grocery store. The men and women, they'd come down there to shop... We did not have restrictions on anybody carrying a gun in the store. Around here during hunting season, you'll see a lot of people that's been out hunting or something have a pistol on their side or a knife, stop and get them some groceries or get something, a gas station or whatever, but they're peaceful. They're going on about their own way. These people never really, in the grocery store, they never got vocal about their opinions or views with anybody. They would just come in and kind of hang around up towards the front while their wife shopped, of course, with the big guns and stuff on her side, and intimidated some of the customers. Sure. My father-in-law's way of dealing with it was instead of trying to ban them, he would just tell them, look, you know, it's bothering the other customers. I don't care if you shop here or not, but either walk with your wives so you're moving around and ain't nobody paying that much attention, or either stay outside with them. 
you know, because I don't want it to affect my other business. And he wouldn't try to run them off. That helped for the most part. They would bring us flyers to the gun store and applications, wanting us to pass them out. Of course, the minute they left, my family, then we run the store, all of that went file 13. (laughs) (laughs) The round file? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was all trashed. I've heard a few of their little speeches and stuff. Uh, well, now that's discrimination. Yeah. They eventually got pretty big. Oh, they were probably 150, 200 plus people out here at one time. Well, they lived here. Like that trailer right there? Yeah. You go on down the hill and there was a big cleared off area. They had these makeshift trailers brought in mm-hmm. and cobbled together in plywood. And it was... Uh-huh. They had the uh, so-called training ground and... Paid for by the government, of course. Yeah. Yeah. The police kept a pretty good eye on them. One particular trooper that I knew and from being around down there at the police department stuff, he was a black trooper. He had a set of cojones on him. I'll give him that. (laughs) Uh, They were having an Oktoberfest one year, and they had signs up all over Dawson. You know, come out, see what it's all about, and advertising friendliness. We'll give you a pop, give you a hot dog, and everything else. So (laughs) he came out and got his hot dog and pop from them. Yeah, you know, the clam hot dogs are pretty <laughs> delicious. <laughs> uh, he just wanted to see how they'd react. So yeah. The other trooper come out, and he said they did, even though they didn't like it. You know, he, yeah. he said the tension was there. But because they didn't want to go to jail, they... They gave him a hot dog. Yeah. They composed <laughs> themselves. Now, they did show up at the police department one time. I remember walking into the dispatch office before the Dawson barbecue. We always kept an ambulance there in case something happened at the barbecue festival. And the fire department would keep a crew there. And of course they would take the fire trucks for demonstration and set them up. And one year I, uh, I helped them coordinate a helicopter, an air medical helicopter. The, they had done it several times over the years, but this particular year I had helped set it up with them and to come down to let the kids see the helicopter and everything. I went in, talked to the police chief about what time the helicopter, they told me that they were going to come in and everything, what radio frequencies we needed to be on. And he said, you won't believe what just happened. He said, you see them people leaving? I said, well, I seen a whatever vehicle it was pulling away. He said, that was the Klan. I said, okay. By then, they had done gotten away from the Ku Klux Klan, and now they were the IKA. So those are different things in some ways, or different beliefs? I'm not real sure. It may have been two different groups like neo-nazi and the clan combining okay. used to that was two totally separate groups mm-hmm. that may have been their way of combining both of them right okay i will say when i worked at the ambulance service middle of the night i had somebody come beating on the door that they were trying to find the compound out here mm-hmm. for the Oktoberfest, and they were i don't know they were like from two states away other clansmen looking other for clans it? Other clansmen looking for it. And they're like, well, the flyers say come to Dawson Springs for it. We figured it was in the city park. And I was like, hey. no. <laughs> you know, it ain't going to be in no city park. <laughs> and uh, that's whenever I realized just how big they got when people were coming from all around. But this is a bit of an, uh, an anomaly. Like, I mean, not every county no. in the south has something like that. No. And uh, this was just something that all of a sudden, it started out small and it got real big. But the IKA leaders came to the Dawson Police Department for the barbecue festival and said that they knew a bunch of their people were going to be there to celebrate the festival. Of course, the police chief, he, he said, well, that's great. You know, we can always use the number of people to help promote things, buy things. Right. And 
Uh, okay, but the reason they came to him was, and his words was, they said that if any of their people act up, we just want you to detain them, and we will police them and try them ourselves, and we have our own punishment and mm-hmm. own system. Of course, he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that was their way of mentality. Right. Their final down-doing down here, the reason there's only like one or two families back there now, uh, they lost majority of all that property. I think those people there actually may have bought some of it back, but they've never done anything else with it. Sure. Other than that flag up there, I've not seen anybody wearing shirts like they used to. Or Was it lost because of a, like a seizure thing? That, uh, yes, the state took it from them. They went to the state fair, and there was a kid up there. I think he actually ended up being underage, but they beat him up pretty bad. Was he a minority kid? They thought he was a mixed race kid, uh, black kid, and he ended up being like Oriental or something. (laughs) Can't Uh, can't get that right. Well, because of it, it was tried as a hate crime, Mm -hmm. and they were arrested. Somehow or another, some of the property owners were involved in it and indicted on it. They come down here and done two or three big raids on them. Of course, once that got their attention and they started the raids, they started finding illegal guns, guns that had been stolen and drugs. And uh, Some guns were purchased legally, but then some of them weren't. A combination of things that added up to them under federal crimes. None of them had the money, let alone a pot to piss in, to mm. pay for anything like that. Uh, so some of them went to jail, and along with the fines, the state took the property from them. That broke the clan up from around here. And it's been several years since anybody's ever mentioned anything about them being in here. But everybody still knows that it was down here. Up until they came here in the 90s, there was nothing ever mentioned about the Klan being around here. I mean, it was just wasn't anything here. I reckon from what I hear on TV and articles on the Internet, I see, I reckon in other states, they're still pretty big. Yeah, so for California, of all states, they're very active there. Whenever I worked for the jail... I will say there was some of that there. Sometimes we had some racial things mm-hmm. inside the sales. Most of it inside the sales was either drug businesses, two guys that had bad run in with each other over something, all of a sudden get picked up on separate charges, and now they're in a jail together. And you'd find out you couldn't keep them in the same room. You'd have to move right. around. So that about does it for our tour of Hopkins County, Kentucky. If you ever come through this way, be sure to check out the local delicacy, a little thing called burgoo, served at most barbecue restaurants. Besides, the clan hot dogs aren't that good. And until next time, this is Spun Counter Guy saying thanks for riding around and listening to us ramble. In the Corner Back by the Woodpile podcast is produced by a closet, a pocket, and a suitcase. You can email us at spuncounterguy at hotmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram using the name Spun Counter Guy. Be sure to download the new Podbean app to hear this podcast and others on your tablet and smartphone. And we are now on iTunes. Just do a search for Back by the Woodpile on the iTunes store and we should pop up. And a special thanks to thebrofisticate.com.